If you like weird history, true crime, haunted and paranormal, then pause the podcast you're listening to right now and subscribe to Ghost Town wherever you listen to podcasts. We also have a video component to our favorite Ghost Town episodes at youtube.com slash Jason Horton. Episodes like The Los Feliz Murder House, The Toxic Lady, The Black Dahlia, Janis Joplin's Hotel Room, The Haunted Roosevelt Hotel, and more. Just go to youtube.com slash Jason Horton. That's youtube.com slash J-A-S-O-N-H-O-R-T-O-N. And while you're there, please subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes. Thank you. Friends Without Benefits podcast. My name is Jason Horton. If it's your first time here, welcome. It's new. It's exciting. It's fresh. It's different. If you're a returning listener, it's okay. You know, it's it's the same old thing. But what makes today very, very exciting for me, I get to chat with my old friend, Tony Cavallero. You may know him as Dewey Finn from School of Rock. He was on Heart of Dixie, he's auditioned for SNL, he's a groundling, and we've done many a video together, so I'm excited to find out what makes him tick. And, you know, working with him, I never really got the full scope and details of what he does and his work ethic. If you are somebody who gets inspired uh, by people's work ethic, listen to him, listen to this. I felt like he was working when we were doing the podcast, when we were talking, I felt like, not working like he was just having to work, but I felt like he was just, he was just doing it. Like he was just, I felt like the energy and I was just like, just take over, man. So uh, we're going to, I'm going to talk to Tony. Very excited to catch up with him. Uh, We've done a lot of videos together. You can find them online somewhere. Uh, I was in Las Vegas uh, this past Weekend, uh, left on Monday. You may have heard in the last episode. If you want to hear more about me in Las Vegas, check out the last episode. And I learned how to play craps. I'm not an expert, but it's something I looked at and I was just like, I'll never be able to do this. I don't understand. And it was just super fun. Like, I really am not a big gambler. My wife likes to play poker. I really am not, I, I don't mind gambling. I just don't care when I wouldn't do it by myself. So that was super fun. Uh, this week uh, was good. I, If you've been keeping up, and you probably haven't, because why would you? It's not that interesting. But if you've been listening to previous episodes, I have been giving stand-up a try, and it's been about two and a half months, and I've done uh, a couple of actual booked shows, not just open mics. I performed at the Comedy Store, which if you're not familiar with the Comedy Store, that's where all the people that you love in comedy performed and came from uh, going back 40 years. And I pl- uh, performed in the belly room and it was amazing. It was the first time my wife had seen me perform. That was super fun. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned this previous, so I'm telling you again anyway, but I want to mention also uh, it was really bumping in there because uh, Judd Apatow and Joe Rogan were also performing in the big ro- the big room, the big room. So I like to think that I went on before them, even though it was another room, it wasn't the same bill, that I opened up for them. That's how I like to put it. Uh, But that was fun. And then I did uh, a show at Flappers in Burbank, and that was like the first show where I actually, I actually wasn't used to not pausing for 
laughter. So I was accustomed, I'm just so accustomed in, the, in open mics just to get the words out, just to get the jokes out, just to say them. And this time it was really great. I mean, I really, I really kind of barreled through the jokes and it was very, very tight and was very concise and I did everything right and it got really great response and I'm very, very thankful. Um, people really responded well. I just wasn't used to like stopping for laughter. So I'm used to barreling through the jokes. I also had Panda Express about an hour and a half before that. Bad idea. Not a good idea. Shouldn't have done that. But it was a great show. I'm actually doing uh, another show at Flappers on November 5th at 8 o'clock in Burbank. And then I'm also doing a show in San Diego, uh, the Comedy Palace, uh, November 9th. And then I'm going to see what other shows I can get, maybe in New York and Philadelphia when I go back uh, east for Christmas. And we'll see see what other shows people let me do and get on stage and do that PG-13 thing I did in... I might have some footage up if you want to see what it's all about uh, on my Instagram and or Facebook, which are both the Jason Horton, T-H-E Jason Horton, if you want to check those out and say hi to me on there, message me on there. I'll say hi. And I'm on Twitter, Jason underscore Horton. Say hi. Tweet at me. I'll follow you back. Just tweet at me. You're from the podcast and I will follow you back. Uh, it's uh, It's been yeah, It's been really... It's been really interesting lately, um, just with, with what's going on in the world, and I'm trying to, I'm just trying to stay positive. I'm trying to take everything one day at a time. Uh, I'm trying to uh, let myself be mad about things, and that's okay. But I'm also trying to balance it with appreciating things. Uh, but uh, listen, if you need if you need a little kick in the pants in the positivity uh, and you want to hear a story about a guy who's just, um, you just want him to win. You just want him to do well and he's already doing well. Uh, let's, let's talk to Tony Cavallaro. The last one we did was that, yeah. that one where it was like hot chicks at the pool. <laughs> <laughs> Right, where you well, so uh, but I think I remember. Okay, one uh, here's one video that I know we did is we did one where we played fourteen year olds. <laughs> remember that one where we were both four, played fourteen year olds and the three girls came over and all I wanted to do was eat chips. Yes, yeah, and we were like wearing backwards baseball hats and like knapsacks. Hmm. <laughs> There's nothing better than that says fourteen. <laughs> so just... this is a conversation from March twenty second, twenty twelve. At 5.05 p.m. Yo. Yo. (laughs) Hear anything back from those fools? No, I emailed yesterday. I have another connection with full screen. Awesome. Thanks, dude, for reaching out. Standing offer still on on the table to come see a Groundling show. And then (laughs) that's the last conversation until September 28th, 2017 at 9.43 (laughs) a.m. Hey, Tony, would love to have you on my podcast. We record at Nerdist. Let me know if you're down. But see, that's only a testament to our friendship. Exactly, dude. You know? But we, I've seen you since then. Yes. We've made, when did we, we... I feel like I saw you recently somewhere. I know I saw you at the movies once. Yes. I saw you at the Arclight. Um, just trying to blend in. <laughs> uh, but we did, yeah, we did. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what were we seeing? Do we see Lo- Logan? No, what? no, it was before that. It was before Logan. Oh. 
I like you're putting your like I like that you're putting the pieces together. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, dude, this is it. <laughs> This is an email from May 18th, 2010. Oh, okay. Now, now we're getting somewhere. <clears throat> to, to Michael Gallagher. Okay. Hey, dude. <laughs> is Gilf Hunters, with a Z, <laughs> with a Z, is Gilf Hunters dead in the water? Question mark. <laughs> BTW, would you be interested in doing an ultimate fighter sketch with me? Possibly bring in Horton and Ryan Reyes. I've got some ideas. So neither, neither of those things ever happened. The Ultimate Fighter one did. It was terrible. Oh, okay. But yes, it did for sure. I don't think I was in that. I don't know. I don't think I was in that one. Mm-mm. No. I don't think you made it into that one. No, but I, mean, I. But now it's connected. It had to have been through. Yeah. Okay. Gallagher for sure. So we met. Yeah. We so we did one where we played two fourteen-year-olds. Yes. And like older girls were coming over, and mm-hmm. you know that was, and it was an interactive. As they That's were. right. With, so, with with Ryan Reyes, right? No, no. It was me, you, and uh, three three other girls. It was at uh, 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 Richard, Richard Ryan's, Ryan's apartment. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So we did that one. And then I was thinking of another one we did where we did it. It, it was That was like through Maker or something like that. We did it. And it was uh, – I was like a dorky like husband. And you and my <laughs> wife was obviously cheating on me, but I couldn't see it. And yes. You're like, and I remember we were filming that, and there was a scene in the kitchen, and we're like – opposite each other and we're like and we couldn't stop laughing so much and then we eventually <laughs> had to leave we couldn't do the scene together so, so somebody us... had to stand there while to make the, for the eye contact because we honestly couldn't and the guys were like guys we're running out of time oh to do this terrible <laughs> you just reminded me of that yeah. one oh my gosh we could not do it what and what was so funny because i'm trying to look back and be like it was we weren't really small. that funny at no, that time. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. I mean, I peaked. You, you peaked, were just getting yeah, started. I was just, just getting started. Yeah, but back here you are again. So mm-hmm. how far have you gotten? Really? Exactly. Honestly, we're in a concrete shell right now. Uh, so uh, let me. I'm going to go back a little bit. Um, where I want to. I want to like. I want to the deep cuts. Yeah. Uh, do you go by Anthony now? Ew. Okay, you don't, right? No. I thought I saw your name written like that somewhere. Really? Yeah, and I no. didn't. I didn't like it. That'd be weird. Yeah, I don't no. like that. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. No. And not. I'm not. I'm not changing. Just because. I mean, all those Tony Cavallaro Instagram accounts <laughs> yeah. would be really yeah. ticked off. Bad dude. for the brand. <laughs> uh, where were you born? Annandale, Virginia, okay. right outside of Washington D.C. Okay. And when you like, was there a was there a was there a point where you're like, oh, I want to be like a a Performer, performer, or was there other stuff before that? Because I feel like there was other stuff before that with you. Well, you know, I grew up. When you grow up in Northern Virginia, being an actor is like, I mean, it's something for fun. Like my parents both did it for fun in high school and college. Yeah. You know, they both loved to perform, and they were always the funniest people in the room. And uh, you know, my dad's big claim to fame when when I was growing up, and it was always kind of a thing, was that. His understudy in the high school production at Annandale High School of Camelot was Mark Hamill. Okay. So yeah. my dad was better than Mark Hamill, but yeah. he got the big break. Yeah. Um, but then my my dad went on to own a construction company for 25 years. That's, that's a logical <laughs> list. Right? That's a leap. Yeah. Uh, so that was kind of, I think, playing in the back of my head. Yeah. They were always funny people. But um, my... My brother was really good looking and I was really chubby. And so like we did martial arts and I remember early on, you know, my I was annoying 
but I was funny. You know what I mean? So that was the only way I could get out of people That's the like catch, picking right? on me. You I know mean, what I mean? He's funny, but he's really annoying. Oh, he's, a, a catch, he's yeah. annoying, but he's so funny. He would do the, I would do this song about corn. <laughs> and really, I think everybody would laugh at me because I was really chubby and my face would get super red. But I would do this song like corn, 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 corn. It was really stupid, dude. But. Everybody loved it, and I would like do it for the whole karate team for like 20 people, and they'd all surround me, and they'd all be dying, and I think it was basically like the truffle shuffle yeah. for me. And they take turns karate chopping you. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, I always had a knack. I always really enjoyed making people laugh, whether it was to escape from like being made fun of, or whether it was like a crutch, or to cover up whatever else was going on at home, like... That was something that was came pretty naturally to me, um, you know. And then I went to high school, and my brother was a jock. So and this I, is still Virginia. High yes, school? okay, uh huh, still Virginia. My brother was a jock. He was like the homecoming king. So that was like a natural fit for me. So I did football, wrestling, and lacrosse all through high school. Meanwhile, I was doing uh, like theater as a class. You know, you could take it as an in-school class. And my theater teacher, Miss Farish, was always like, you got to do a play. Come just do one after-school play. Please, just trust me. Just trust me. And, um, and actually, just to step back for just a second. So I had a crush on this girl, Lola, in eighth grade. And she did this play called Fairy Tales Go to Court. She was auditioning. And she I remember seeing in the hallway and she was like, You should audition for this play. And so I auditioned. And sure enough, I got the lead. I got the judge in Fairy Tales Go to Court. And she dropped out of the play two weeks in. And so I'm now this lead in this play that I didn't even want to do. We ended up going to like the Virginia Play Festival and I played like six different characters as this judge. And I ended up winning Best Comedic Actor at the Play Festival. We won Best Comedy. And I was like, oh, that's that's cool. And that like was like the best I felt ever. Like in, you know, in you middle got a school. Taste. Yeah, you get a taste of it, you know. But then I go to high school and it's like, oh, sports, and you get to be the jock and the cool guy. And I never did a high school play, and then I always wanted to play Division One Lacrosse. So my senior year in high school. Tony's white, if anyone's doesn't if know. Yeah, is wondering, like, blonde, oh, well, he's white. white. The, yeah, white, blonde. Tuh, yeah. Uh, I do have lesbian moms, though. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's. that's you got, yeah, yeah, exactly. No, yeah. yeah, yeah. So we were very blue collar, yeah. just just let you know. But I did play lacrosse, so, you know, pretty, pretty <laughs> white. But I, I did go to school with a lot of Remingtons and Wadsworths and yeah. stuff like that. So anyways, my senior year in, in high school, I'm looking at colleges, and my brother almost went to military school and didn't go to the Naval Academy and, and ended up going to a different college, and that wasn't a great experience for him. So I was kind of already leaning that way towards a military college experience because I was like, well, you know, I'm an Eagle Scout. I like to lead. I'm like, you know, I like being captain of the football team. Like maybe that could be something that could be a possible career. And then you can always do the military for five years and figure out what you want to do after that. Little did I know, you know, 9-11 happened. And then I went early commitment to the Virginia Military Institute because then it was like, great, I'll go, you know, kill bad guys after college. And I'll get to play Division One lacrosse at VMI. Um so then I went to VMI where what I like to tell people is like I played, uh, you know, I acted as a soldier yeah. for, for four years. And uh, that place was as crazy as you could ever imagine. It's like a military school? Like full on. Yeah. So like, you know, they were created in like 1830 something. It was, you know, uh, bombarded by Sherman, General Sherman, when he yeah. did his march to the sea. 
Robert E. Lee called 200 cadets to fight in the Battle of Newmarket for him for the Confederacy, and 14 cadets died, and Stonewall Jackson taught there, Patton went there, George Marshall went there, Chesty Puller went there. But that's considered, would it, like, you know, the, as far as the line, I don't know if that'd be the Mason-Dixon mm-hmm. line, is that north, though, right? South. It's south? Okay. Yeah, so it's weird now because yeah. you, you grew up in Northern Virginia, yeah. which is... As I mean, we were the most multicultural high school in the country. And then I went to this school where literally you salute Stonewall Jackson as you enter the barracks. You know what I mean? Um, So it's very different, you know, deep, deep rooted traditions. Uh, You know, basically it was frat jail, as my wife likes to call it, you know, frat jail. Um, But between my junior and senior years there, I vacationed to L.A., with my girlfriend at the time and her best friend was an actor out here. And so like, that was my first taste, well, f- for one of California. And how long goes it, so when's this? This was like summer of 2005. Okay. And I've like fell in love with the weather, the like seeing, I remember like seeing palm trees, like I'd seen them in Florida and South Carolina, but like the way they were, like the lining the streets. And then like, I remember going to a party cause her friend was, kind of working like had one uh, like one or two lines in boston public you know yeah so she had like a few friends that like at this party i recognized them from tv and honestly they didn't seem super bright and so yeah. i was like man i wonder if i could do and like try this acting thing like yeah. i could always commission as an officer in the army later because i had known a couple guys who had taken like a two-year break after vmi and then commissioned so you had, you had a fallback plan that made you feel a little more confident. Exactly. Kind of, yeah. yeah. But then it was kind of like, well, what could I do? And then my parents were getting divorced at the time. So nobody was like, you better go military. You know, everybody kind of was like, well, do what you what yeah. you want. We're doing what we want. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and, and and I had, you know, played on the like lacrosse and academic scholarship at VMI. So, like, I didn't have uh, crazy student loans, you know, so basically I graduated from VMI. Donald Rumsfeld was our graduation speaker. I stayed home and worked a lacrosse camp in, in Bethesda, Maryland, and then that fall after I graduated, I packed up my car and moved out. So when you when you got here, because people do this all the time, you yeah, know, I was somebody who did uh-huh. it. What when you land? Like, did you have a did you set up a plan ahead of time, or were you like, you know what, like if the you know a jump in the net will appear uh, appear like that kind of thing? <sighs> I, I that, you know I don't have any regrets. Um, but if I could, I didn't really have any plan whatsoever. My only plan was originally I was looking to get a master's degree in like, cause I was a, I got my BA in theater and did pretty well at VMI. Cause if you got good grades, you got days off. So I just like worked hard to get good grades just because you got <laughs> days off. So, um, but there weren't really any theater history master's degrees anywhere. So my only plan was I was going to study theater at Cal State LA and get another bachelor's. So just continue doing college for another couple years, get another bachelor's. So I was living with my dad and stepmom out in Pasadena and that didn't really work out. So was your dad moving out here? Was that like just, uh, was it serendipitous or did it just work He re- remarried a girl he dated in high school out in Pasadena. It's romantic. Right before <laughs> I, I moved out. <laughs> yeah. I mean the whole thing, how weirdly it worked out. And then, of course, you know, he moved out here and was like, I don't really know what I'm going to do with my second half of my life. Oh, maybe I'll do some commercials. So, like, he got into a commercial acting class and, like, 
you know, yeah. uh, did that kind of thing. And so I was out here, lived with them for like two months, and then that did not work out. And then that kind of threw a total wrench in the works uh, because it was kind of like a total parting <laughs> of the ways for a, a while. And, Between you and your and yeah, okay. and that that whole is it because of uh you know not to get too personal, but is it because of his new wife or is it just between you guys? Yeah, uh, it was a little me. You yeah. know, I was young and stupid and kind of rebellious yeah. and you know a little butting heads. You know, and and you know, looking back on it, obviously, I think it was the best thing in the world because it really allowed me to be like completely on my own. You know what I mean? So that's when it was like, all right. And that was kind of like, that was fall right after I moved out, you know, and it was, I remember I had met this guy at Cal State LA who was like, hey, if you ever need anything, just give me a call. And literally I have like my car full of my stuff and I'm like, hey dude, I don't have a place to live. You said anything. <laughs> and and he he's was like, like, I, th- I think maybe like, you know, a ride to the exactly. movies. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. And he was like, come sleep on my floor, dude. And, and that was over on Sunset Normandy okay. in his studio. And I lived there for like three years and worked as a janitor at the El Portal Playhouse in the Valley and coached a little bit of lacrosse uh, and continued on at, at Cal State L.A. for like another like six months until that first summer. Did sleeping on the like things like sleeping on the floor and having to be a, not having getting to be I mean, it's a job getting yeah. to be a janitor. Did that were you ever like second guessing anything since you were kind of. S- so new and raw out here like did we ever like oh man i should just you know what i should go to where it's safe or you know go where i, I know i can make money you know those things that run yeah heads. I, I mean i guess so but i think looking back at it man i just it was just like vmi it was like i think you say vietnam yeah. I was like, all right tony relax it's just like vietnam. <laughs> but worse <laughs> you know it was just like vmi it's like I, all right i did it i can't quit yeah. There's no other options. They probably taught you some discipline. As oh, and, and that's through. the thing. Yeah. It's like, well, sleeping on the floor, that was nothing. Being, being a janitor, picking up homeless people poop on the sidewalk, that was nothing compared to what I had done. And again, like, I know it's stupid and it's meatheady, but it was like that mental toughness. Like, I was prepped. I was like, I'm in it for the long run, man. I can stick this out. If I could stick out that other terrible thing. But I definitely had a skewed timeline. You know, I remember moving out. It was like, just give me two years out here. With my military discipline and my hard work, just give me two years. You know what I mean? And that was obviously way off, you know. You needed two years in a month. <laughs> two years in a month. So when did you, like, uh, did you get, when did you get, like, uh, kind of entrenched in, like, comedy or acting or, yeah. like, you know, that kind of traditional stuff people do in, in that hustle in L.A.? So I was on my summer break from that first the first two semesters at Cal State LA where I met wonderful people. I did some stage plays, but it wasn't really training for, you know, LA in general. And I had, my dad was taking a commercial acting class and said, you know, you should come take this acting class, this commercial class. And he had gotten a commercial agent and sure enough, I did it, got a commercial agent. And then I was doing extra work that summer on a show called life I think it was called Life with uh, the guy from Homeland, the redhead dude. Okay, yeah. From Band of Brothers. Yeah. He's on Billions now, whatever yeah. his name is. Uh, Damien something. Yeah. I know. Really who, small yeah. Amount. I know from, yeah, from Homeland. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, m- I met a, uh, a girl there who was uh, had just started taking classes at the Groundlings. She's like, you're really funny. You should take classes at the Groundlings. And what, year is, what year is this? This is 2007, okay. summer of 2007. And I was like... Oh, that'd be crazy. I've never 
what's the groundlings? And I did, honestly, I didn't even know what the groundlings was. And, um, so I looked them up and I was like, Oh God, Will Ferrell goes there. No way. Like that's crazy. That's, that's nuts. And so sure enough, I looked them up online and I auditioned at the groundlings and then, um, I got into their basic level one class and I tried to sign up and I missed their sign up period. So it was all ticked off. And then I found UCB. And so I signed up for UCB for their level one. And it was so exciting. You know, I remember doing that audition at the, do you remember your teacher at UCB? Yeah. It was Drew DeFonzio Marks. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I was taking a class there and I think after week one at UCB, I got the call that a spot had opened up in a basic class at the Groundlings. And so I signed up there. So I was taking them simultaneously. Little did I know there was any, all I knew was like comedy. Oh my God, this is going to be amazing. I'm from Northern Virginia, like friendly and excited. And, you know, I, I just didn't know, like, you don't go into your UCB class and be like, oh, well, my teacher over the Groundlings yeah. said that I should do this or this or this. And then completely, you know, get like a block wall put up. Because you're taking classes at both places. You know what I mean? I didn't even know there was like any kind of weird beef. And in general, I don't think there really is anymore. But I know for a little while it was like, oh, the groundlings are so huge. Or, oh, you know, UCB people are so stuck up or whatever. It's like, who cares? Whatever's funny is funny. Um, but it was an interesting experience nonetheless. And I did just... You found it hel- did you find it was... Uh, complementary to each other, or did you find that you, it was conflicting? Like what you would learn at one? Because I, you know, I did uh, IO and UCB at the same time yeah. for years, yeah. And I've done you know a little second city, whatever. And you sometimes I, I found that it, things were complementary, but sometimes I felt like they were kind of conflicting because you know when you're used to doing one thing and then you're like, oh wait, n- let me now I'm doing this thing. Yeah. See, for me, it was it was. The Groundlings was just, I had grown up with a dad and a mom that were always doing stupid accents, I remember, you know, and, and playing these characters. I remember my dad would do different answering machines where he'd, he'd have, like, classical music in the background and being like, the Cavaleros aren't home right now, but if you leave a message, we'll make sure to return you. You know what I mean? Like, he was always doing these big characters. So I think for me, you know, and I remember I did, like, my high school football coach in my Groundlings class, and it was like, it it went over really well. And it was like... Oh, th- I think this is more of the fit for me. Um, but I know for sure, like the scene work and the connecting and building the story and moving it along, you know, they're they're for sure complementary. And I've always been that way with both comedy plays, like with all the comedy places, like take what you like from each place and make it your own. You know what I mean? What makes you laugh? Because ultimately what makes you laugh and what brings you joy through comedy is what gonna is what's gonna bring everybody else who watches you perform, uh, you know, do it. Because I've done groundling stuff at UCB and gotten great responses, and I've done UCB style scenes at the groundlings and gotten great responses, and I've seen people do that all over the place because you know, funny wins, you know what I mean? So um, but it was just a really it was a really great experience to have early on in the game. But as soon as I started those classes, I never went back to Cal State LA. I was like, oh, this is going to be. So essentially, you dropped out from getting a master's. Yes. Right, okay. In, you know, which would have been probably theater history, I think, something like that. I'm honestly, I think I'm like nine credits away from getting a second bachelor's in theater. This this should count as a credit. Right? I know. I mean, I don't know. I think all my groundlings classes should count as a master's degree. Yeah, and a tax write off. Yeah. 
and you should get whatever whatever like, I want whatever you want uh -huh. yeah so uh, how long did you do UCB for while because you would I know you've been yeah Groundlings is more of what I knew associate you for. Yeah, yeah yeah so how long did you do UCB for while doing Groundlings or I only did that level one class okay. and you feel like I got this UCB I'll see you later <laughs> no not at all because I love performing over there and I've considered going back to classes over there again and again and again but you know once you kind of hit you know, once you've kind of peaked out at a school, I think, you know, you get kind of a nice open invite at some other schools to get to perform in kind of their main stage sure. fun stuff. You know what I mean? And you meet all, you know, you know, because once you bounce around, like I got to do the Montreal Comedy Festival with like Lauren Lapkus mm -hmm. and like Sam Richardson and some of these people that are just like pinnacles at Second City or UCB. You get to kind of jump around and play at these other schools. So, so you end up doing it Anyway, anyway, yeah. exactly. You know, getting to do spank shows at UCB, or I would do their their sketch jam shows on Sunday nights. And same with IO. I loved performing. They had their their sketch comedy. Like they had a whole sketch night on Sundays. That while I was waiting in between levels three and four at Groundlings, which is like a year and a half to two year wait, every Sunday we'd go put up new material at uh, at IO in the in the sketch cage match. So for those, you know, I, I I'm very. I'm familiar with Groundlings, but not super familiar. So yeah. level one, and doing level one and level two is usually, I'm going to say easy, but it's to, to be able to sign up and get in and do it. It's it's when you start going to those higher levels, there's like waiting lists and you don't always get in. It's, yeah. a, it's a little more cutthroat, right? Just in general, man, that place is, is uh, it's wonderful because it's a microcosm of the industry. Uh, you know, it really is because what happens is, so you audition and just the audition alone puts you in one of three categories. Either you go to take basic level one or you go into workshop A or workshop B or they say you're not right for the program. So workshop A and B is below level one? Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. And I think you can take those up to three times to trying to get into basic and then you can re-audition. Uh, but everything like at level one, level two, you can take up to three times. So then basic level one, you take and then base, based off of your teacher's recommendation, you either get bumped up to intermediate or you retake it. And you have three chances to do that. Or your teacher can just say you're not right for the program. And you kind of you went you went up the ranks. I Yeah, I lucked out. Yeah. I lucked out. And, you know, um, I, I moved through as fast as you can move throughout the Groundlings program. But there's a lot so many people that you know, do it again and again and again, you know, and then, so level one and level two, level one, the first one is basic improv, character-based improv. And then level two, intermediate, is where you really learn how to like develop characters through improv. That's even more developmental. And then level three is called uh, Writer's Lab. And now there's, I think, there's a new level there now called Advanced Improv that's even more improv, character-based, um, to even strengthen your improv chops more before you jump into writer's lab. So that one I think you can take up to two times. But when I went through, then you get into writer's lab. And I think I waited six to nine months to get into writer's lab. And what happens with writer's lab is you have a teacher um, and you work for six weeks and you write a monologue and a sketch. And then you also do an improv piece and you culminate in a show. So next weekend, I have to go in three groundlings and the actual main company come and they look at you and they give feedback to your teacher and your teacher either passes or fails you. Now, if you fail at that point, you're out of the program. Um, 
some famous people that failed at that point are Adam Devine, uh, <laughs> uh, what's his name, um, Conan O'Brien, I think. Uh, so again, like it's not for everybody. They have a very specific style. It's you could very... be great. You could be great and kicked out. Uh, dude, I can't even tell you how many times okay. that has happened. You know what I mean? So once you get back past that, if you make it past that, and I'd say there's about a 50% chance you'll pass it on that one, 50, 30 to 50, then you move on to level four. And that's the big wait between writer's lab and advanced writing, writing lab. So you wait, you know, anywhere between one and a half to two years. I had a two year wait, I think. And in that time, are you, is, are you ever like, does it ever waver? Like where you, you know, waiting two years to do anything or do you just, are you like, I'm ready when they're ready for me? Exactly. So for me, it was all the YouTube stuff. That's yeah. when I was really like cranking out writing. And then I was performing at IO all the time. And, and you're trying to put stuff up and you're doing workout classes and you're just trying to be prepared for me. It was a big wake up call because I didn't think I, I was super prepared for writer's lab. Like I didn't, I'd never written anything before. And I feel like I, you know, I lucked out. I had written that same football coach into a sketch and it went over really well. And I felt like if I had, if that had not gone so well that I probably would not have moved on, you know, and slipped through the cracks. And then, it, you know, who knows what would have happened. And but eventually you did get the call. So eventually ago. I got the call. And that one is six weeks, a show, an, a full sketch show on like a, on a Monday night. And then another six weeks and another show. And, and I mean, it's, it's time. It consumes your whole life, bro. From what your I'm told, whole you, life, yeah, dude. that's what I've and, heard. And you pitch for a Saturday, and you pitch all day Saturday for six yeah. weeks, and you've got a director, and then all the groundlings, all thirty of the groundlings. You know, a, a majority of them are supposed to see your shows, and then they vote on you whether or not you get into the junior company. And which I is that Sunday company? That Sunday company, which exactly. you did get into. Yes, yes, which, which is, is huge. Yeah, I'd say it's a probably twenty to thirty percent pass rate. Yeah out of advanced. So you've got like 16 people, 15 people in your advanced class. And then, um, uh, but I lucked out. I had a big advanced class and a great director and everybody was so super talented. And we had like nine out of 11 people in our class get into Sunday company. Wow. And not then, for those two people though. I know. Bummer. But yeah. they're probably, but still they're super probably talented. And hilarious oh man. Cause once you there. graduate through advanced, I mean, you've gone through the whole school. Yeah. Like you graduated from the groundland yeah. school. Like you've, proven your friggin' chops now, man but, you've put in four or five years at least yeah. into that school but the sunday company then you goes to become a groundling yeah and what is that like what is it from that to that so sunday company you know a lot of people say it's it's the most fun it's like the culmination really the groundlings because that is like you are thrown into basically the minor leagues of snl because yeah. you're pitching every wednesday your director picks the show friday and then you put it up sunday and you can only do sketches three weeks in a row, and then you have to work in new material. So every weekend, the show is different. And literally, you text Sunday and put your show up. So it's your life, you know. And, and just like, just like advanced, you go six months. You go six months, and then there's a vote. The, the, the main company votes on you. And you can only go three, three six, six months, period, periods. And then you either get into the company or you don't. Or you die. 
or you die. Or you die. Yeah. It's, so, I mean, it's intense. <laughs> it's man. intense. And, and that one's kind of become like the real hotbed. That's where everybody comes to kind of scout people and scout talent. I mean, no, you are, because like Saturday Night Live would be one of those yes, things. Yes, exactly. Kind of like, when you've auditioned, uh, you've sub, uh, auditioned? I auditioned for, yeah, in, in, in my first six months in Sunday Company. I was like a, a baby. Uh, what was that? It was really cool, man, because I'd never really auditioned for anything at that point. I, I Which been... right now, if anyone's listening that's an actor, yeah. hearing that you've never auditioned for anything, and then you're auditioning for Saturday Night Live, they're probably like, I hate Tony. Right? Pretty, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, that's the thing. Yeah. Like, I had never auditioned for anything, and they had come and seen me in a Sunday show. And it wasn't like a, a spectacular Sunday show for me, really. But I do remember specifically... It was Lindsay Shukas, you know, who's dating Ben Affleck now. Oh, okay. Yeah. I remember she was at the show. I didn't find out till after the fact, but I remember it was so specific because I, I, had, I was doing a, a sketch with my friend Kate Frisbee, who's so funny, and it was an improv where we had both been massively overweight and we had lost all the weight because of the lap band, <laughs> but we kind of lied and we said we lost the weight because of this motivational thing we were doing. <laughs> And I remember I brought up an audience member and I was like, man, I really love your facial hair. I sure wish I could grow facial hair. And he was like, you have a mustache. (laughs) And I had totally forgotten I had a fake mustache on and I like broke. And I basically kept breaking the entire sketch. And that's what they liked the most, the SNL people, like the joy that I was having on stage. Now, was Lauren there or was just other? It was just that lady, Lindsay, who's now a producer on the show. show. She was like head casting director. So that was like in June or something like that. June of what? of 2011 okay and the next monday i came in i was clearing stuff out and i remember the managing director of the theater was like hey um did anybody talk to you after sunday night and i was like no and they were like well the casting people from snl were here and they asked for your information earlier this morning and i was like holy shit yeah that's got to be surreal yeah, dude and so like it was that whole summer like i remember i submitted it they wanted me to put stuff on tape for them even after they had seen me so i put together one tape it was terrible and they said no thanks and then i put together another tape yeah. in like late july and sure enough got the call in august that they were going to fly me out there and i was going to audition and it was so surreal dude i was in like bill Hader's dressing room and and we did that whole thing, you know, and I went and did my did my bits on the on the main stage. And, and I hear then, it's like, is it really quiet? Like, there's no. Le- it was there. pretty quiet. Yeah. I had a I had a bit where a fake nutsack fell out of my shorts mm-hmm. and that got a pretty good laugh. And then I remember I did a Nick Nolte impression and that got a pretty good laugh. Um, and I think I did my Jack Black impression, too. Um, but it was so much fun, dude. And it was so surreal. And and I had met my wife in, in Sunday Company at that point. We had just started dating. So she like flew out with me and was like this little support system the whole time. And then I never really heard anything. Any feedback or? I had heard they had really enjoyed what I had done and they'd be in touch. Yeah. And. But that's still, I mean, still so. It was so really cool. Where man. you're like, if I'm just getting, this is me just getting started. Yeah. Uh, and then it was like just brutal brutal pilot seasons because I was so green, but everybody had heard that I had tested for SNL. So they, I I auditioned for 22 pilots that year and I don't think I had one producer callback. And then do you think it was you or them? It was me. I, I, 
I was not confident. I didn't know. I, I didn't know how to audition, and I wasn't confident in what I could do yet. Really, I knew that I could do physical comedy well, and that was doing great things for me. But like, I I'd known I could play a good, effeminate, weird Southern man at the Groundlings. But like, how does that translate? I know I can play like a good meathead at the Groundlings, but like, how does that translate into like a network sitcom pilot? You know, where it took me. Like really, honestly, like three pilot seasons of just failing and failing and failing. And how then, are you like, making money this whole? Like, how, how are what? How are you? Uh, I was doing some personal training at that point. Okay, I think I remember. Yeah, that. yeah, I was doing some personal training, and then I was doing the YouTube thing, and then like I would book, I booked like okay side jobs here and there, but finally I got booked as an effeminate Southern man on Heart of Dixie as a recurring guest star. Okay. Because they had seen me at with, the ground. Uh, Rachel Wilson? Yes. Yeah. Who was super nice. But my, my, my wife, I think, went to school with her. Oh, I don't really? know if they were in the same group. They were at, went to school at the same time. Oh, she's was, super great, yeah. man. I re- and that show, I didn't even want to do it. Like, I remember auditioning and I was like, oh, do I really want like my first thing to be like an effeminate Southern man who's married and everybody thinks that I'm just the girl's beard? But that show was so much fun. Everybody was so supportive. And like, what a joy it was to literally show up and be the joke in each episode. Like where it was like to split up dramatic moments. I'd just come in and be like, he wants their nails painted. Like (laughs) (laughs) I love you, honey. So you You always get to have fun. Yeah. That's your job is to have fun. Yeah, dude. You know, and, 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 and it was when like, I kind of like let go of everything and like found like, and I started growing my hair out. This was like, you know, um, this is like 2014. 14, yeah. yeah. So from 2011 to 2014, it was kind of like touch and go like as Dude. far as like career? Yeah, it was for sure. I mean, I remember that second pilot season. I went to a producer, a producer session, and I knew the producer, my buddy Andrew Leeds, who's now a groundling, and I walked into the audition and he goes, oh man, dude, I am such a fan of yours. You are so funny at the Groundlings and Sunday Company. You're so great. I don't think I had gotten in yet. No, I don't think I had gotten into the main company yet. This was right before I got in. Okay, so you became a Groundling. Yeah, I'm in the main company. And what, uh, yeah, I was actually, uh, so when the time from Sunday Company, just to backtrack, Sunday Company to Groundling, what is that timetable? A year and a half. You can only do three six-month periods in in the main company. What mm-hmm. gets you into the main company from Sunday Company? Do they just are you? Is it you just plucked or? Yeah, they vote after six months. They have another vote, just like advanced. Okay. okay. And so it's terrible and it's cutthroat. Like, oh man! It but could once be... you're a groundling, you're always a groundling. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. you you leave the company eventually. Yeah. But, and I say it's terrible and it's cutthroat, but you know, like I like I said again, it's a microcosm and it's thirty people voting you know 30 subject it's subjective you know so it's like you know because my wife got cut and that was really rough you stayed with her of course and i mean what a great very brave you're a hero you know what i mean i mean i I, I, she's fucking phenomenal you know and and the thing is is that like it it is what it is and you know great people slip through you know and 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 you know it's a wonderful place, and you know, it, I owe like a lot of my career to that place. I owe meeting my wife to that place. It's been so wonderful to me, uh, you know. But it's also like can be really tough because you make friendships that all of a sudden overnight, it's like, oh, well, that person's no it's like longer, the Hunger Games. You know, I'm going to be seeing them <laughs> yeah. anymore. You know, um, but 
you know, uh, where was I on? Oh, oh, that like touch and go period. You know, you get into the main company and and it's you know it's kind of another entire experience. That Sunday company, it's so go 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 go. Did you go, have go. anyone? Uh, is anyone uh, in the Sunday or main company that was there the same time as you? That uh, I mean, they're all of note in some way, but yeah. of note that perhaps I may have heard of. I mean, probably a, a ton of people like Matt. Matt Cook, do you know Matt? Uh, name sounds familiar. I'm uh, Heidi know. Gardner, who just got on SNL. Yeah, yep. She's yeah. a good friend. We actually used to do shows all the time here. Um, uh, who else came in right before or? My friend Lyric Lewis, uh, Patty Guggenheim. I mean, all these people. Greg Warswick got in around the same time, but like, you know, Taron Killam was just right okay, was yeah. right before me. I think he was he got into the main company and was in for like three months before he went into SNL. Um, Jillian Bell. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, yeah. yeah, Jillian. Um, so a lot of really good, co- like good co- oh, comedy. Great, uh, amazing yeah. people, dude. I mean, but that's the you know that's did the you great think thing about being that place. Oh, now that I'm a groundling. This will be another springboard for other stuff, the way maybe Sunday Company was for SNL, or yeah, you know, or is it just what it is? It kind of the thing with you know, with with main company is that you do a show and it gets set for three months. So once that show gets set, then you do the same one every you know. So like coming from Sunday Company, where it was like, oh man, I don't really like this sketch. I can change it up the next week. So like, it's like if, you're doing a play now. Yes, exactly. It's like you're doing a play. So it's just different. It's different. It's a different vibe. So like, if you don't have a great three month run, you're kind of like, well, I, I don't know if I want to invite people or casting people. But you know, um, it is exciting because we've had about half the company turnover in the last three years, where you know a lot of it, you know, um, it, it's just it's it's you know. It's not as gung ho, yeah. high high speed, which is nice, and and not you know, I love that high speed. If you can't tell already, I'm kind of like I love like, okay, great, this isn't working. What's the next thing? Yeah, go what, go this go, go. You know yeah. what I mean? Move forward. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and for me, it was like, it was just a great learning ground to like. You got to learn lines fast. You're performing all the time. You're in front of people all the time. You can't. You got to be fearless. How does that translate when you like doing Heart of Dixie? Did you find like, oh, well, compared to all like the 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 kind of um, compacted stuff I did under really tight time constraints and yeah. like groundlings? Did you find like doing the traditional acting and TV? Did you find like, oh, this is a breeze as far as like memorizing lines and blocking oh, and all that? Uh, especially if you're like dropping it. If yeah. you're like the person that has to like drop in and do a joke and get out. Like even when I did like little guest stars on two broke girls or modern family or whatever, and you're with these people that are like such pros, they know that this guy's a groundling and he knows what's funny about himself. And he knows what's funny about the character he's just been cast in. So, you know, he can jump in and do a great job and we know it because he's in a groundling. Were you, were you at, at all when you, you know, heart of Dixie, uh, I guess start with that. Was there any kind of thing where like, uh, I'm a fish out of water at all, or did it was it like a pretty a little bit? But as soon as you hit that first joke and everybody's kind of on board and like, yeah. oh, this guy's funny, yeah. you're kind of welcomed into that club. Okay. And everybody was so nice there, and it was like, like I said, it was kind of that family and 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 that feeling and 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 the the mix of that with like that groundlings training that kind of created this fusion where. 
I auditioned for a Nickelodeon movie in the summer of 2014. And when I went out for it, I was like, I'm so not right for this, but I'll go in and I'll be a goofball. And another guy's work that kind of was like revolutionary for my auditioning was this guy, Jack Plotnick. You know, Jack? The name's really familiar. He's great. He's an acting coach. But it was basically kind of like, well, take it from where you are, dude. What's going to make it funny is what you bring to it. It's not going to be what's down on the page. Of course, they're amazing writers. But as far as you auditioning for a part, it's your little idiosyncrasies and stuff that are really going to sell people. You know, so the more comfortable you are and not worried about, oh, my God, did I hit the line right? Oh, my God, did I hit this right? Did I do this right? And bringing you to the role, your unique self to the role, the more that's going to work out for you. And it was like with that Nickelodeon movie, I it was for like a, four, a mid 40s man who was like an uncle and a magician. And I went in and I was like a maniac and I just did me what made me laugh and have fun. And I booked the thing. What movie is that? Was that? It was called Splitting Adam. It was a blast. We shot in Vancouver for six weeks, and I got you know my foot in the door at Nickelodeon, and then like two months later, the breakdown came out that they were going to do a School of Rock TV show, and this whole time period, like I said, it was kind of a weird fusion because I had just also tested. I I had just grown my hair out, and I for some reason I think people all of a sudden were like, oh. Now we know who that guy is. And I think it was like the confidence now and auditioning and not caring as much and going in. And Did like, you see yourself as as the, getting the role in School of Rock? Did you were like, oh, wow, this is this is perfect for I me? did, yeah. but I had seen myself also getting in the role in, the last, in those last two pilots I had tested <laughs> sure, for yeah. that didn't work out. So and you I know also, you, were, you weren't always the best judge. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, yeah. Or, or you know, even though it feels so right, you have no control over these yeah. things, man. You know, like I felt the same way with SNL. I'll never forget it. I was like, oh, this is it. Synchronicity. I feel great. This is going to be the one. You know what I mean? And you're not going to be right all the time, you know? And so after testing for those last two, I was like, well, nothing really matters. Even if you feel like you're the perfect fit, you may not be. And like the more you can let go. There might be, there might be 10 perfect fits. Yes, I don't exactly. Know. You know what I mean? So I went into that SNL thing or the School of Rock thing. And I was like, well, I don't really know if I want to do kids TV, but I love Jack Black. I love this role. It would be so much fun. And the next thing you know, it all kind of fused together. Was it an easy choice to pick you or did you it was a lot of supposedly it was everybody who's so sweet you know but everybody you know has secretly kind of come up to me after the fact and be like we knew as soon as you Mm -hmm. came in that you were you were the guy like we knew it and it was weird because you do have so many jack black isms about you but you're also so uniquely you that it wasn't like a question and well you weren't like necessarily a carbon copy of jack no, black no yeah and 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 that was kind of the thing that i was like well that might screw me yeah because i do kind of sound like him you know yeah. what i mean and yeah. <laughs> you know and 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 uh, i didn't want that to be you know what i mean and and there was even a review like right after the show came out and it was like, this guy is trying so hard to be Jack Black. And I think over time, everybody's like, oh, no, that guy's like a mix, like a, he's like Stifler meets sure, Jack yeah. Black, you know, and it's just been such a dream come true, man, to be totally cliche. Uh, so what I mean, because you're the uh, the lead list, well, the yeah. star, they're all, you know what I mean? Yeah. On however, it works out. So that's your first thing in that you where you're like the guy yeah um were you prepared for that were you prepared to be the guy again dude it's weird like i think as soon as it happened like i you know going to military school being an eagle scout captain of the football team like i i i 
Tony is white, everybody. Just again, to remind again, everybody, Tony is white. white. Yes. I feel like I really thrive in those kind of situations. Yeah. Like you don't I love let it. Being... You don't let it. You don't let it. You you can you consider it a challenge exactly. and you rise to that challenge. Yes, yeah. like I love being a team and being a leader on the field. Like I I love that kind of situation where it's like here we go, guys. We're a team in this. And from the get go, like my wife and I were like that. This is how we're going to treat this thing. So like when and the she kids... did an episode of uh, yeah, the show. I yeah. saw that. She's that was so great. talented. Yeah. Dude. yeah, she's super amazing writer and amazing person and. She's actually showrunning a show right now for uh, Awesomeness TV. Um, but, like, you know, we had the kids over, all the kids from the show who are so amazing. And we were like, we're going to do a movie night with them. No parents allowed. You know, they're so lucky. Like, some of them, it was like their first audition. You know what I mean? And for me to be like, guys, this was like my 85th <laughs> yeah. pilot audition. Yeah. Like, to be like, I've been working. I mean, it was almost nine year, eight years to the day yeah. when I got that part. Like I've been hustling, hustling, hustling. And never, you never took a really took a break. Never or was like, oh, you know, let me try something different. Yeah. You just like, no, I'm just gonna go until I can't exactly. go anymore. Exactly. And I mean, it, and it all just fused together. And the kids are so great. And like, it, it's been such a wonderful experience. You know what I mean? It's been such a, a great experience. And what and season like, are you on? What's... We just wrapped season three. Wrapped season yeah, twenty three. episodes of season uh, three. And what's so? What's next besides season four and everything? What's uh, next well, I directed an episode which yeah. I really wanted to do, so that was like a a big thing. When do you for ask me. for that? Like, you went like at what point are you like season one, episode one, dude? I yeah. think I was pretty. I had heard that um, a friend of mine had worked on a show for the Disney Channel, and the star of that show was directing. And coming from that Groundlings background, where I had you know directed a little bit before and. And I'd work, worked on a bunch of three cameras. I was like, that's something I really want to do. And so, you know, they were like, well, shadow a bunch and we'll see what we can do. And so I just started shadowing and I shadowed a bunch on on our show, on other shows. I went over to Dr. Ken. I did the Thundermans. I did, you know, I just jumped around a bunch. Um, and uh, that was something I really, really wanted to do, you know, uh, on top of that. Because I love working with kids. Yeah. And I'm like, I feel like this could be something I could do in, for the long run, you know, working with kids and directing kids, you know, yeah. and even other three cameras. So, but that, and then my wife and I, um, we, we write a bunch of TV together. So we've been out pitching, uh, like two projects in particular, um, during this hiatus. And then we're working on a feature that we want to produce ourselves a horror comedy. I'll be in it. Bro. I've already been thinking about you. <laughs> Uh, this has been my audition. Everything. Exactly. Just saying, reminding thing. people that you're white has been pretty much my audition. Thank you. And then hopefully thinking back to the time when we were 14, year, 14 years old oh, in this video. So just let that be my reason. We were just 14. Yeah, we were just 14. Um, and then uh, I, I produced a little movie with a buddy of mine in Texas like two years ago, almost. And uh, we just found out we got into the Byron Bay Film Festival in Australia. What's that called? The movie called? An American in Texas. Okay. It's a like a dark drama okay. about four kids in a punk rock band trying to get out of small town Texas in the uh, early 1990s with the first Iraq war as the backdrop and they all kind of self-destruct and um so I play one of the parts and then I help produce it as well and and uh so it just got into the Byron Bay Film Festival in Australia so we're going to Australia in 7 days for uh, a week and a half and then we get back from that for a week, and then we it just got into the Austin Film Festival, so we'll be there for four days for that as well, and um, and then just uh, I just finished up a Groundling show, 
um, auditioning still, shadowing still for directing stuff. And so you just, don't sleep. Never, dude. Are you still are you still pumping iron? Every day, man. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> my dream in life is to be like a Chris Pratt. I'd love to do like action comedy yeah, stuff, like yeah. a, a late '80s, early '90s. Yeah. Kurt Russell would yeah. be like the dream. Yeah. Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. Well, Jack Burton. Listen, I'll do that movie with you too. You know right? what I mean? Even if it's just like I don't know, cleaning the toilets for all the other actors. You know what I mean? You are. Do- Listen, I'm ambitious, man. Our poor. You know, yeah. I want to clean up famous people piss. Hey, so, man. you know what I mean? I'm thinking big. I did it for many years yeah. for just homeless people on the side <laughs> so, of the building. So I don't know. I'm kind of so greedy. You know? yeah. uh, well, where, where can we find you online? All the places, not Every, the fan accounts, just the everything's or, at Tony Cavallaro. Yeah. So Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, <laughs> Facebook. You got with all those ki- like all those Nickelodeon fans. You got to do all that. Yeah, you have to. And yeah. then actually, I do have a Tony Cavallaro app oh, coming out no. in the next couple months. It's basically was it just like, yell at you? <laughs> <laughs> Do something, be something, make exactly. a friend, high fives. Well, you can, you can, um, you can like win FaceTime with me and win giveaways from the show. It's gonna Guys, be the FaceTime's cool. not. It's I'm face to face with you right now. It's, it's pretty great. It's I mean it's pretty great. It's pretty. Great. I don't know what they have to do to actually get it, but it's pretty great. All right, Tony. Thanks for doing this, man. Dude, I love you, man. Yeah, this is let's a read, blast. let's read some more. Let's read some more emails and old oh emails. Oh my gosh, that was so much fun, dude. Un amigo es con quien sales a comerte unas papitas de McDonald's. Pero tu mejor amigo es quien promete siempre echar sus papitas en la mesa para hacer un papita mountain contigo. Y esa es la única amistad que yo quiero. Para pa pa pa.